0: something that I quite often ask is am I the target customer for this piece of advice because I think that's where a lot of things become disjointed because we kind of assume everything's for us whereas actually if to use the marketing stuff for a second which is the most obvious one like if somebody's writing about email funnels for a hundred thousand person list if you've got a hundred people on your list like that advice isn't for you which is fine. It's good advice for someone else, but it's just not good advice for you. So you can, you're allowed to say, okay, no, that's, that's not my business. I don't recognize myself in that. I'm not, I don't need to listen to that. Um, and similarly with like morning routine stuff, like, like you say, somebody who's like, oh, I go to bed at 8 PM every night and I sleep like a baby. Like, okay, well that's not advice for me then because they're talking to people who go to bed at 8 PM every night. So I can, I don't need to take that on, For myself as my personal failing.
1: That was Kate Ferris, and you're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 182. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest and to dig into our conversation about building a life that's really yours, regardless of all the shoulds that you've been told you have to follow. But before we get to that, I wanted to say a big thank you to the 400-plus people that are in our Patreon community. It's their contributions of $1 or more per episode that literally make this entire show possible. This is a 100% listener-supported show, you probably know that by now, which means that we don't have any ads or sponsors, and that these conversations are financially supported by awesome, regular people just like you. You can join us and learn more about all the fun bonuses you get as a community member over at patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. Your financial support is what will allow me to keep making new episodes, three per month, and it pays everyone involved in creating the show. That includes me, as well as my sound engineer, Adam Day, and every single one of my guests. Now that our community has met the funding goal that makes it possible for me to pay each and every guest, it means that the folks whose stories you love are indeed getting paid for the time that they spend talking with and teaching us. And here at Real Talk Radio, higher rates are always paid to our guests of color, as well as our queer and trans guests and others with traditionally marginalized identities. Our current funding goal, which I'm hoping to meet before the end of the year, fingers crossed, will allow me to have full transcripts made of all future podcast episodes, It's a really important step in making the show more inclusive, as having written transcripts means that these conversations can be enjoyed by folks regardless of whether or not they consume audio content. So to learn more about that funding goal and anything else you might want to know about our community, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. And now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Kate Ferris. Kate is a creative business coach, writer, and podcaster who is fanatical about freedom, namely finding your own version of what freedom means to you and seizing that in your life. She works with mostly women who know that their version of freedom means taking control of their work and time by starting their own business, and her role is to help them build a purposeful business that feels like them, with less should-dos and more soul. In this episode, Kate shares stories from her life and business, particularly about how she's been impacted by all the things she was always told that she should do. She talks about what happens when you follow the shoulds and realize that you've built a life that's not actually yours. And we talk through some of her favorite reflection questions for getting unstuck and finding a path that feels true and purposeful for you. I've been listening to Kate's podcast for a while now, and I love her approach to intentional living and her honesty about how to balance routine and rigidity versus spontaneity. And it was so much fun to connect with her in this conversation and get to ask her a lot of the questions that have been on my mind as I have you know, followed her on Instagram and listened to her show. So I hope that you enjoy it just as much. All of that starts in just a moment, and as always, you'll be able to find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at realtalkradiopodcast.com. All right, we are good to go. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Tell me what's been on your mind the past few weeks. What's something that you feel like you can't stop thinking about?
0: Hmm... I mean like everything. (laughs) Um, I just, because we're recording right at the beginning of autumn, I've definitely felt like my power's returning as the leaves have been falling after a summer of kind of not really feeling very with it. Um, Just everything's really interesting me at the moment I guess. Something I'm thinking about a lot is, it's so funny because everything intersects so much. It's, It's kind of ambition but also then that translated into how we balance ambition with work and life because it's so often just funnels into one and not the other and then one gets compromised so that kind of dynamic between those three things I guess is kind of where my mind's been at
1: yeah it's so interesting when you said that you feel like some of your powers are coming back do you feel <laughs> like you have really seasonal rhythms like is that something you've noticed in the past totally
0: and I always forget until I'm right in the middle of a slump and then I have to remind myself oh yeah this happens every single year that you feel like this um so yeah I definitely am more of an autumn winter that's when I feel most motivated that's when I feel inspired and then when especially the middle of summer I'm just like don't want to do any of it don't care (laughs) I just want to be in the sunshine or lying down or just really taking it easy that's like my natural fallow period it's so interesting because i
1: feel like the assumption for most folks is that it would be the other way around that winter is the time when it's like very hibernating and don't want to do the things and so it's like it's interesting to hear that you've realized that the opposite is true for you
0: Mm. yeah i think it's because you're you're inside so much more in autumn and winter and that gives you some it gives you something to do to to kind of get into work and it makes me want to plan a lot I think just to kind of it's that kind of energy to kind of get in your hole and plan and like really work hard on a project and things like that so I get that kind of energy where it's hibernating, kind of in that you're just in your hole but it's also um yeah not just doing nothing and waiting for summer to come around Mm -hmm. i'm interested to hear more you said that ambition
1: is one of the Mm. things that's been on your mind i don't know if it's just who i what i've been listening to or what i've been around but i feel like that word doesn't come up that much or like just you know in thinking about conversations about ambition i don't know i just i feel like i haven't really heard that a lot lately and i I'd, i'd love to talk about it a little bit more since you brought it up when you like when you say that word ambition like what comes up for you what do you think
0: for me ambition is when i think of ambition i think about what you want to have and a- achieve but not in a kind of medal sort of way but just where you want to get to where you want to be how you want to be living and and also how your work therefore feeds into that and i think that the reason i've been thinking about it a lot is it feels like a bit of a dirty word because you've got all these kind of different strands, particularly online, where you've got the the real sort of hustlers who are like, this is so ambitious, I'm going to get six figures in six days, all that kind of stuff, which is they're very open about that kind of ambition. But then I think on the other side, you get people who will hide their ambition because... They don't want to be associated with that kind of hustler stuff. And that's something that I've found is that I've kind of kept what my true ambitions are down because I've thought, well, I don't want people to think I'm like that because I'm not. And then a third dimension is that you get people who feel ashamed of their ambition because it's it's not that uh, I want to be a multimillionaire and have all the things kind of ambition. Their ambition is a life where you know, they stay at home with their kids or they, they make time to bake every Saturday or, or whatever that looks like, but it doesn't feel like enough. And I think we're all kind of trapped in this sort of scenario where we think ambition has to be one thing and therefore we're not honest with ourselves and the rest of the world about what our ambition actually is. And that makes it so much harder to actually get there.
1: Yeah, the, the feeling of like, What are my ambitions, and then like, can I not judge myself for that? And like, Mm. yeah, I agree with you that I think that there's a lot of layers there.
0: Yeah, (laughs) lots of layers, (laughs) and and I think they're ones that we don't always want to uncover. Either ambition is a really dirty word, and you won't go near it, or it's something that you've kind of been brought up to really take by with both hands and really go after. And there's for those of us in the middle ground, there's not really neither of those really fit you know I'm not some kind of athlete or whatever who's been brought up to be really go after their ambitions but also have not been taught that you should stay in your box and not have ambitions but there's not really the model to know well how can I formulate this in a way that makes sense for m- me and myself and to work towards it there's not that kind of like I say that model to work towards
1: yeah So, I mean, it sounds like this is something that you've been personally reflecting on lately, and I'd love to hear some of what has come up for you, whether it's personal ambitions, professional ambitions, what are you kind of claiming for yourself now?
0: Yeah, it's funny because I was talking to a friend about this the other day where we were talking about like where we would be at 50 (laughs) um and I could I had this really clear vision for her and what she was going to look like and then she was like well what about yours and I was like I don't know like the person I envision at 50 is like a completely different person to who I am now um and I think that's kind of wrapped up in it is that I have always my whole life been very looking at the next thing, which I know isn't unusual. Like, when I was 15, 16, I was ordering university prospectuses because I was, like, already there. Like, just let me uh, skip the A-levels. I'm just going to go to university. I've chosen it. I've got my steps. It's all there. And actually, funny enough, that all started to break down probably around three years ago, which was around the time I set up my business because those steps had been set out. I'd worked in a recruitment company where I'd seen like my future, you know, the people who were coming through the recruitment company were literally doing my job just like 10 years from now. And I could see all of that and I could see where it was going. And I hit this place where it was, it became clear that that wasn't actually what I wanted and what it would take to get there wasn't a life that I wanted to live. So that, I guess, actually saying this out loud now, is kind of where that all started, where you kind of get taken along with an ambition that you might not that might not actually be yours um and then I got kind of propelled into the online business space where there are all these different parts of ambition and you get some people who love to talk about their six figures and other people who love to put down people who talk about their six figures and so it feels like your ambition in this space is a reflection on who you are as a person and morally who you are as a person, what you want to have and what you want to create. Um, So that's been something I've kind of been trying to strip away generally is just other people's expectations and presumptions of me and to try and take that off my shoulders and then also start to think about what is the life I actually want to live rather than the one that I think I should be and to create A vision for that and then what what will it take to to get to that vision which I guess is a different kind of ambition but it is really coming from within rather than from without Mm -hmm.
1: I mean and those are huge questions right like what do I want my life to look like what is it going (laughs) to take to get there like no big deal right these are just
0: (laughs) huge questions just some casual thinking (laughs) just
1: some casual thinking yeah so I mean there's so much in what you just said that we can dig into but I guess I want to I want to back up a little bit um when someone asks you what you do for work, how do you describe mm-hmm.
0: that? Oh man, I hate this question. <laughs> okay, so <then> I'll do <laughs> it then pause.
1: Why do you hate the question?
0: Yeah, um, I think I really struggle to put it into words. It also really depends on who's asking. Like if a hairdresser is asking me, they get a different answer to what um, you asking me will get because I think people who aren't necessarily in that world or kind of get it. I just can't be bothered to have the conversation where they. I just know they're like, well, what the hell is that? Um, But uh, in this context, I guess the easiest thing to say is that I'm a creative business coach. So I work one on one with people to help them primarily with their marketing. And I also do courses and all the things that you would expect. Um, But I very much focus on doing it very intuitively so I'm not kind of prescriptive around this is what you have to do these are the steps it's right what do you want to make out of your business what do you what kind of life do you want and then how can we find a way to market it in a way that feels good so I'm not going to say you have to do Facebook I use Facebook because it's the example everybody always gives they're like oh do I have to be on Facebook And I'm like no if you're gonna hate every second you're there don't be there <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of A very long answer is that it's creative business coaching, but um, in a way that makes you build a business that you can actually live with and enjoy doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think there's something even just in that topic that's, you know, I think really important to talk about because I, th- from you know my perspective over the last 10, 12 years of working online in some capacity, I do think that working for yourself is put on quite a pedestal and sometimes mm. in a really judgmental way that just assumes that everyone should want to quit their nine to five job. And that is 100% not the case, right? And so even hearing you talk about um, just like the necessity of even figuring out a way to make a business work for you. Like, it's not just as simple as, like, just quit your job.
0: hmm Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't want to be self-employed. Like, I never – like, even – it kind of came out of necessity for me because we were – we moved like 200 miles away from where we lived. Um, and we also moved to the Snowdonia National Park in North Wales, which if you don't know, it is a lot of mountains, not many marketing manager jobs. Um, so I, ha- I had my blog and things that I'd sort of been doing bits and bobs with, but had to kind of had the necessity of turning it into um, self-employment probably earlier than than I would have necessarily chosen but yeah I totally get that and I'm always very conscious of it that it's not it's not the top of the pyramid right self-employment it's not it's not self actualization it's not the place where everybody wants to get to and that there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with people who don't want to be self-employed you know um it's it's not for everyone and it shouldn't be for everyone because yeah,
1: yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I I appreciate that. I'd love to hear some of the specific things that you haven't liked about being self-employed. What's been the challenging part for you?
0: That's interesting. To be honest, I, I'm kind of struggling to think of things because it's it's all part of it, right? So I know the stock answer that a lot of people would give would be the money worries, and obviously the money worries is a thing. But actually, probably for me, the money worries isn't quite as much, isn't quite as important as the who am I in all of this <laughs> worries. Um, it's I've had quite a lot of existential crises over the course of the last couple of years of just, who, yeah, who am I in all of this? Um, if there's no business, what's left of me? And also that thing of what do people really want from you, particularly when your business is helping other people? you get people who take advantage or who they only want what you can give them in terms of information and regardless of whether like you're really ill or you're really burnt out or it's kind of not appropriate to ask me such a detailed question they just like um yeah we'll we'll still do it so I guess that's kind of the thing that I haven't loved the most is that kind of working out the difference between yourself and your business self um when the two are so intertwined yeah
1: yeah I can relate to that so much and sort of figuring out what's personal right what you keep mm. just for yourself trying to decide what to share I'm going through um a sort of re-evaluation with Instagram right now personally mm. and really just kind of asking those questions of What do I share here and why? Like, what's the point of this platform? You know, what are other folks getting from it? What am I getting from it? And a lot of it comes down to what you just said, sort of the personal and professional crossover, right? And I think when you do something where you as a person are very involved in, you know, what it is that people are paying for, it can get blurry. And I think that like can ramp up the existential crisis thing that you talked about for (laughs) sure. So you're not alone. I can relate
0: to that. Mm. Yeah because it becomes that like you say they're buying a piece of you and yeah that it just becomes so blurred where you're like do they like me do they like this projection of me like where uh, yeah you just there's too many different versions and too many different layers that it can just get really Mindfucky. yeah
1: yeah what boundaries if any have you put in place that have helped you with that you know so through all of the questioning and like evolutions of the last few years is there something that you have found does help with that
0: to be honest you know I have a little bit of a problem with the term boundaries because I think that they can be used for evil <laughs> rather than good um, I think they can be used to be cruel to people so I kind of recoil from that word a little bit and I'm like I don't have practice blah, blah, blah. but I guess that for me I am very careful around what I share so I don't I feel very responsible for things like friends and family like I'd never share like my cousin coming to stay or like my friend's birthday or whatever because that's like I feel responsible but that's going out to like tens of thousands of people I guess as well that I um I try to be really careful about who who I let in and um Yeah, I'm kind of losing my train of thought a little bit here.
1: (laughs) I know what you mean. This reminds me, my friend Kate Flanders is someone that I was talking to about this kind of Instagram, social media, personal, professional crossover thing Mm. um, quite a bit over the last few months. And one of the brainstorming questions that she gave me that has proven to be really helpful is, you know, essentially she said, like, divide a piece of paper in half. And, you know, on the top half, you know, write down the things that you're willing to get feedback on. And on the bottom half, write down the things that you're not willing to get feedback on. And she was like, because as soon as you Put something online, you're essentially saying that people can comment on it and discuss it. And I thought that mm. that was a really interesting way of of breaking that down. And it's given me a lot to think about of like what's open for public discussion in my life and what's not.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So the things that are on the bottom half of the paper you just don't put out. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting.
1: And I haven't. It's not like I have a really tight list because I mean we're having this conversation very in real time, right? Like I'm still working through this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think you know with you know, boundaries, or I guess you could use another word if that word doesn't resonate with you. But I think that they're for me best when they're not really rigid necessarily, but Mm. when they're kind of a thing that I'm constantly reevaluating because something that it might have felt really good to share about three years ago, no longer feels good. And that's okay. So it's kind of being open to the fact that even that might change, but at any given moment, being aware of this is for public consumption and this isn't for public consumption.
0: Mm. I think that's really interesting what you just said about them being very flexible because that's something that I really rebel against in lots of different ways is that feeling very boxed in by things that I've set for myself whether that be a boundary or routines or you know this I do this on this day uh, every day that kind of stuff I find very boxing in and I have one of my greatest learnings over the last couple of years has been to work very intuitively and really feel my way through things. So I'm much more likely to be kind of sat on the edge of putting something online and it will be how I feel in that moment that defines whether or not it's going to go there or not. And that will be very different from day to day, from hour to hour, just depending on what else is going on and where my energy is. But I think I do take things much more on a kind of case by case basis of can I deal with this right now or can I not deal with that right now? Mm -hmm. I think I put a blog post out recently and it was one that, I mean, at the time I wasn't feeling very confident just in general about myself. I'd had like a knock. I can't even remember what the knock was, but I'd had one and I was feeling a bit like, oh, I've got nothing good to say. And I put it out because I needed to just get something out that week. And obviously that was the one that somebody was like, Oh wow, you sound very sour in this post. <laughs> and I just was like, I shouldn't have put that out. I all my energy was like, This isn't right, this is you this and you can't take whatever's gonna come back from this, you can't take it. But I did it anyway. So I just deleted the post because I was like, It's not worth it. It's not worth it wasn't right, shouldn't have done it in the first place. This is a, a checkpoint to come back to to remember. Don't just put something out because the routine says to put it out, just check in with does it actually feel right in the first place.
1: Yeah, I struggle with this too, like finding the balance between routine and I don't know if spontaneity is the right word, but kind of what you're talking about of being committed and being scheduled and focused and having the things both like at work and professionally that I sort of like building the container that I know keeps me feeling my best and yet not letting it be so rigid that there's no room for grace or for changing things mm. around when my energy doesn't match up to that and I mean I think this could be a whole conversation you know on <laughs> yeah. on its own but and of course there's no easy answers but can you i don't know like give an example of how that looks for you like are there some things routine wise that kind of you you do really stick to and then other things that are more free flowing like it's Yeah. And like I said, I'm not looking for you to have like the capital A answer, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think that this is a really relatable challenge of, you know, how strict to be with oneself.
0: Mm. So I, in terms of like what I put out every week, I will always put out one when I've I've got a podcast. So generally when i'm running a season of that there will always be one going out because they're kind of pre-recorded and done um and i do more times than not put out a blog post every week however if it's the week before and i'm like i just i'm not going to write anything good (laughs) i'm not going to just write something to put it out and i know that there are more important things for me to be doing than putting out a blog post that's not very good (laughs) um and then in terms of um like day to day, week to week. So for example, if I sit down and I've penciled in, I literally do all my planning in pencil because I change it around that much depending on how I'm feeling. So if I sit down and I plan to do a blog post, but I'm just not feeling it, then I'll rub it out. I'll do admin instead. And I'll do a blog post maybe in two days time when I'm feeling better. And yes, yeah, so I do it very intuitively. I have a couple of things Big things that I want to get done in the week doesn't matter when they get done just kind of as long as they do and they get done at the time they're going to get done best um and yeah and then little things like uh if I've got any creative work to do that always happens before I go anywhere near to checking my emails because that just sucks the creativity out of me so little things like that where I know the areas where I need to protect my energy um But also just to kind of be like, how do I feel in this moment? What's the best thing for me to do right now to capitalize on how I feel in this moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I operate similarly. One of the the things that's worked really well for me is... I try to identify, um, and I, I usually do my plannings on Friday, my planning on Friday afternoons, like for the upcoming week, uh, for work. And I'll try to identify two or three high impact tasks per mm-hmm. day and high impact, meaning like not admin stuff. Cause that stuff sort of always gets done anyway. Um, for me, it's just thinking, okay, like what are the things that are actually going to move this forward or things that only I can do and you know, that type of stuff. And that's been, um, A really helpful way for me to say like, okay, if you had to choose two higher impact things to do each day, and it's helped me to be more realistic on what actually can get done in a day, I find, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, that I can be very overly ambitious with what I think a day's Mm to-do list is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I had that. And actually, I've really recently changed this. And because I was doing things like, for example, if I had a client call day, I'd also plan in like three other things to do on top of that. Um, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So I actually now very rarely work more than four hours a day because, and that makes me prioritize so much more because if I'm only giving myself four hours, then only the most important stuff is getting done in that time. So, and actually I found that that hasn't made really any kind of negative difference and in a lot of ways I'm a lot happier because I've got more kind of space and time in my life and it really helps you just to focus in on like what's actually important for me to do and if it's being moved from to-do list to to-do list to to-do list it's not that important and it can go somewhere else mm-hmm. yeah well and even starting to have to pick apart
1: for yourself like what do I actually have to do versus like what is stuff that I've been told that I should do
0: yeah Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know,
1: I think this idea of like the should do's I know is one of the, you know, sort of defining factors in your work and something that you love Mm -hmm. talking about. So I'd love to to dig into that a little bit. Um, I guess, will you go back in time and tell me the story of how this idea of, you know, paying attention to the should do's became so important to you?
0: Yeah, that's funny because it's definitely there's not one place that I can kind of pinpoint and be like that was the moment um but there have been a lot of things over the years where it's sort of come to to come together and form together in my mind I guess growing up that it was uh my family were very much this is the way we do things (laughs) this is this is the right way to do things this is the way people act and anybody outside of this is like you know, not somebody we want to associate with. Um, You know, you go to school, you work really hard, you go to university, you get a good job and then you work your way up through that job and you kind of stay in there. My parents, my dad was in the same job for 47 years, my mum was in the same job for 27. So, like, they were lifetime in that job just doing it that's what you do you don't get outside of your box and so that's kind of the background to what I'd always been taught was the way to live life and then both my parents were made redundant uh, around the same time that I had started my blog and was starting to see other people who were not only living outside of that prescribed route but thriving and having lives that look like lives that I might quite like to have. And so all of that kind of came together to kind of make me question whether this one prescribed route, which I'd been told was the the one way to live life was actually true or not. And so that kind of continued. I mean, for example, I, when I told my mum that we were going to be moving up here to Wales, and I was going to be starting my own business, she sent me a job advert for a washing machine factory, (laughs) locally, just because like, well, if you want a new job, why don't you have this job? And it was like, no, I I don't want a job. (laughs) Um, So that kind of started. And then as I began to work with people one-to-one I should say as well backtrack a little bit that my job was that I was a marketing manager so I was working in-house with uh for a brand just doing all the marketing and the copy and all that kind of thing and through having the blog and being on Instagram I was seeing people with really great businesses but I was just like what what are you doing <laughs> why are you saying that why are you why are you not doing this um so that was why I set up in the first place because I thought I could help people um, with small businesses with their marketing. Um, So as I worked with those people, more and more I found that they were just doing all this stuff because somebody had told them to or because they'd read it somewhere and there was no intention behind it for them and they kind of didn't really enjoy doing it didn't really know why they were doing it and then obviously therefore it wasn't really working for them so that's kind of how I really started to hone in on just doing the things that people tell you to do doesn't work full stop um and then yes that also then broadens out into living the life your mum wants you to live also (laughs) isn't gonna work
1: yeah, I mean, I think there's there's so much in that. Obviously, we're talking about it through the lens of business mm-hmm. or self employment, but I think that it could apply to so many other things. Just in terms of all of the advice or the must dos or the should dos that are out there, even you know, well meaning around you know, this is how you should move your body, this is how you should eat, this is what yeah. your morning routine should look like, this, like da, 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 da. you know, like this is how you maintain strong friendships, this is how you do things, <laughs> and yeah. not to say that any of that stuff. Isn't helpful because I think that sometimes hearing about what works for someone else, for me at least, has been a really good jumping off point. Um, and I think where I get in trouble is when I'm not willing to look at it as an experiment to say, like, oh, yeah. this works for Kate. Maybe I'll try this to see if this works for me. But what's often happened, and I'd be interested to hear some specific examples um, from your life and work, but what has happened for me is I can get stuck in that, you know this isn't working for me. Like, what's wrong with me that this isn't yeah, working?
0: I'm a total failure. This this uh, absolute surefire way of doing things isn't working for me. So I'm a failed human being and I'm going to give up on everything yeah. <laughs> because it's not working for me.
1: <laughs> okay, so can you give me an example or two? It doesn't have to be business related, but it can mm. be.
0: Um, so the one that comes to mind for me is that I um, was – in, in in terms of the existential crisis that I referred to earlier was kind of very much trying to think about well, I need to find an identity that is myself outside of work and I was reading uh, a blog of somebody who was like very hobby orientated like their hobby was their world they loved their hobby their hobby made their life worth living and I was like I need a hobby um and so I went out and like bought myself a sketch pad and pencils and you know where you're kind of you go out and do that thing and you are there going yes I'm really gonna do this but it's like you're watching yourself in a movie and you're there going you're never gonna use these you're <laughs> never gonna. you believe you are but you're not it was kind of like that because I went out and did it I think I opened the book once and it's somewhere in a dusty pile <laughs> in my bedroom that it just I'd fixated on the hobby as being the solution to helping me find who I was. But actually, what I've unraveled since is that I don't like that structure. You know, like I was saying earlier, I don't like the structure of routines. I don't like to feel like I have to go and do my hobby now. I like to be in a lot more flow than that. So actually, I've had to kind of think, okay, that hobby works for that person, but we're not the same person. <laughs> and I therefore need to just feel my way into it. I can't just pick a hobby off the shelf and be like, this is going to be who I am now. I have to pick something up if, it, if I feel like it and then be okay if I put it down again, because that's how my energy works.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely can relate to that too. And just <laughs> yet yeah, not thinking that what works for someone else is necessarily going to work for you.
0: Yeah, I think that what we can do because there is so much content out there, and I've certainly done this, is that we can conflate inspiration with instructions. So, something that's out there just to inspire or to think, How about you try something like this? we see it as like, That's what I have to do, these are the instructions for me to follow, and that's on us because I could, I also can be like, this person's to blame for making me feel like I need a hobby but I took it as an instruction and not as the inspiration that it was meant as so I think we have to be really curatorial when we're starting to look at what other people are doing and putting out and yeah I think what can I take from this how can I experiment with this how can I use this as inspiration rather than this is my five step formula I have to follow
1: do you feel like this has changed the way that you consume other people's, you know, content or advice? Um
0: yeah, I think so. I think I always try to apply it back and to if I can't kind of I never listen to a podcast or whatever and I'm like, "Okay, that's what I'm going to do." I'm going to I always think, "Okay, well how can Does that sound like me? (laughs) Does that sound like the way I behave? Is that the way that everything that I know about myself, is that actually going to do anything for me? So I definitely am conscious of that and the way that I consume things now more. I'm better at it in terms of business stuff because I feel kind of more confident there. It's when I see somebody having like a lovely time at their hobby, that's where I start to waver because it's not an area I feel quite as confident in. But I also try as well in my creation of content to not be too prescriptive and I've moved very much away from a this is how you do x to a this is how I have tried x Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to to uh put it out there as a this is what's worked for me this is my story you can take something from it but this isn't at all, what you have to do, yeah, which is seems potentially like a slight
1: pivot, but I think that that's a much kinder way of doing it. Because as someone who's you know would read something like that, I feel like I could get ideas from it, and not a, oh my gosh, if I don't follow you know every single step mm-hmm. of this, then you know I'm never going to be successful.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, I, the learnings we have where we work them out for ourselves are so much more impactful anyway. So it's better for me to give an example of something that I've done and and then how I retro-engineered it or whatever and for somebody to kind of see their own situation in my s- story that I've told and then go, huh, well, that's similar to my situation. So actually maybe if I can work out like this, then it will work. That's going to be so much more impactful for them than just reading five steps how to write a blog post and go, okay, yeah, great, I've done it. <laughs> that's not going to kind of embed it and change their mindset around something which is half the problem it's not about can you do it yes or no it's can you do it again and again and again like it's the most natural thing in the world
1: yeah, I like what you said before about sort of one of the questions that you ask yourself when you're, you know, reading something or listening to a podcast or something of kind of how does this apply to me? Does this apply to me? Just taking that sort of step back to be a little bit more reflective mm. and introspective about it. And my own version of that that I have started doing, honestly, mostly in just like the last year is reminding myself that I don't know the whole story. So, You know, for example, let's say someone shares something that's really true for them about their morning routine, right? Or the way that they Mm -hmm. market their business or, you know, insert anything here. Everything they're saying might be true. It might be something that really works for them. But no matter how honest they are, it's still only a snapshot of the entire picture of their life and business. And the things that I don't know are often where I wind up getting frustrated because it might work for them because, you know, it's not their full-time income or most Mm -hmm. of the money their partner is making. Or it might, the morning routine might really work for them because they Sleep really easily, whereas I'm someone who has, you know, quite a bit of insomnia and sleep troubles. And those are some like specific examples, but it's helpful for me to remind myself like, I actually don't know the whole story. And sometimes mm. what I don't know is like the
0: missing piece between why it works for them and doesn't work for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And actually, on top of that, something that I quite often ask is, am I the target customer for this piece of advice? Mm. Because I think that's where a lot of things become disjointed because we kind of assume everything's for us. Whereas actually, if to use the marketing stuff for a second, which is the most obvious one, like if somebody's writing about email funnels for a 100,000 person list, if you've got a 100 people on your list, like that advice isn't for you, which is fine. It's good advice for someone else, but it's just not good advice for you. So you can you're allowed to say, okay, no, that's, that's not my business. I don't recognize myself in that. I'm not, I don't need to listen to that. Um, And similarly with like morning routine stuff, like, like you say, somebody who's like, oh, I go to bed at 8 PM every night and I sleep like a baby. Like, okay, well that's not advice for me then, because they're talking to people who go to bed at 8 PM every night. So I can, I don't need to take that on for myself as my personal failing.
1: Yeah, I think that that's such a good question. (laughs) I just like wrote that down, what you said of like, am I the target customer for this, right? Because I think, you know, even, you know, something that's relevant for someone who doesn't have children wouldn't necessarily be relevant for someone who has a three-month old at home, right? Like just being able to like pause and say like, is this even relevant for me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so kind of going back into the the business side you know you said that you started your own business maybe sooner than you would have and out of you know life circumstances can you share some of those maybe shoulds that you felt the pressure to do if any at the beginning that you've wound up either eliminating from your business or just things that you don't do anymore
0: mm. so funny enough when I started my business I was like doing all of the things so I'd made maybe three yeah I had three coaching packages and then I had eight freelance (laughs) digital marketing services and then I had something else like I think I was doing like brand sponsorship and stuff like that so I had like all of the things that I was doing and I absolutely no one hired me because they all came to my website were like who the what the hell there's so much stuff here so I was just doing and the reason I was doing well I put up the freelance uh options was because that was a definite should because I still couldn't quite get my head around Where the value was with the kind of coaching aspect of it. And I was like, this is the tangible stuff that people are going to want to buy. I can say that I do this number of hours on someone's Instagram, and therefore that is like a proper business service. But I realized that all that stuff, the actual doing, of the work was the stuff that I hated the most about my job. Um, I'm much more of a kind of strategic thinker and a planner than I am a doer. Um, And I also realised that people who were starting their own business didn't want to outsource stuff because it was their little baby and they wanted to do everything and they wanted to feel ownership over it. They wanted to they just didn't know how. And so that's actually where the real value was for the person that I wanted to work with was in that kind of teaching space. So that was a real should that I got out the way quite quickly. Um, and then I guess over time, it I've always dabbled between whether the client work is a should for me or not. I think it really depends on what kind of season I'm in um, and how much I'm relying on it because it's a really obvious thing, right? You know, to do one-to-one clients, do a coach, do all of that. But I find it, I find it quite difficult sometimes to balance energetically. Um, and it's not something that I enjoy... As much as like getting really stuck into creating a new course or something like that, but I also do really like it. Um, so it's a that's something that I'm still kind of up and down on a little bit about whether am I doing as much one to one work as I am because I feel like it's what you should do, or am I getting enough from it that it's it's a want to as well.
1: Yeah, so I'm interested in sort of what your decision making process is and it doesn't have to be with that thing in particular but what's been helpful for you in regard to accessing what's true for you and what's really your intuition versus like the potentially internalized shoulds
0: yeah this is a really interesting question because it's been quite a recent development for me actually because for a lot of this year I've been like grinding myself into a rut with going forwards and backwards over the same questions and not really getting anywhere with them so what I've landed on which is really helping me at the moment is to have a future vision which is connected to my emotions and not to my thoughts so I literally just kind of lie down on my bed <laughs> close my eyes I was like how do I want to feel in six months time and what i was it was like in a garden it was either early morning or more likely knowing me (laughs) in the evening because the light was really low and i could smell the flowers and it was very very sensory like that and i had the feeling of not needing to be anywhere like i had the option of going into work or i had the option of staying in the garden and there was a kind of free feeling of freedom in that and there was I knew I didn't have an appointment to get back for so I held on to that feeling of the vision and I can kind of go back there anytime I need to (laughs) but anytime I'm now making a decision I think about how it makes me feel very intuitively in my body. And if I don't get the same feelings as I do in that vision, I know it's not taking me to that place. And so that's now how I'm finding it easier to goal set in a way that's very truthful and aligned with what I really want, because it's not up on the kind of cerebral conscious plane. It's very deep down in my emotions and my decisions. I'm um, oh, sorry, in my intuition and my emotions. But, you know, the, the part of your brain that controls decision making is the part of your brain that controls emotions. So it actually makes sense to, that's how your brain can know the decision's right, because it feels the same way as a right decision.
1: Yeah. So using that vision that you just shared as a compass, what's one thing Mm -hmm. that you either decided to do or to stop doing with that vision in mind?
0: Um, so I decided to do, um, to focus on more courses in my business. So, um, and more premium courses as well. So I had some like smaller ones, but you know, they weren't making a whole lot of difference because I knew that in order to get to that vision, I needed to reduce a reliance on client work. So I needed to have the kind of the creativity and the optionality that comes with having a more one-to-many based business model. Um, and so in tandem with that, I also kind of really cut down on my one-to-one clients. Um, so I do like maybe two people a week at the moment, but that is absolutely the limit of what I'm going to do because that's where they get the best out of me. I get the, the want to rather than should do, um, element out of that part of the work. Um, and that's, what's feeling attuned to that vision now. And I kind of check in with it every now and then if I start to feel a, a different kind of, I don't know, dread or something over something, then then it's time to check back in and see if that's actually still taking me along that rope to to that ambition yeah, I mean, I think
1: there's, it's obvious that you are quite an introspective person and, and I am as well. And, you know, cause I think the the immediate question that comes to mind is, well, what do you do about like the things that regardless, you just don't wanna do them, but you do sort of have to, I think in everyone's life and business, mm-hmm. there's at least a couple of things that like, I would rather not, but either I, you know, don't have the financial resources to outsource it or, you know, whatever. And I have found for me that when I am connected to, you know, a larger vision, kind of like you said, that it's much easier for me to tell the difference between this really isn't the right fit for me. And I have this icky feeling because I don't like it it doesn't match versus I know that I kind of need to do this, but I don't really want to, like it's easier for me to just Mm -hmm. give myself that, I guess a little bit of like tough love or that push of, you don't have to be in the mood to do something in order to do it. Like just get on with it is a lot easier for me to do when like it is a building block in the direction of the way that I want to go. Even if like the task itself isn't like the most joyful thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I find if I can track everything, everything that I don't like as much, I can track back to why it's important to that vision. Um, so there's nothing that comes to mind other than like maybe taxes um, that comes to mind where I think that is that is superfluous to achieving that vision um everything that I do, there are things that of course I like more than others, but they i can they are strongly tethered to ha- achieving that end vision, which is just ultimately more motivating and that's why having it being quite sensory means that you can drop into it quite a lot. So whenever I am doing something or I'm kind of stressed out about doing a podcast interview or whatever, I can go into the garden and be like, yeah, this is what it's for. This is worth it. Um and if ever I did that and I was like, no, not worth it, <laughs> then that's a good a good sign that that's a, a thing that shouldn't be there. Um, that's not serving me. Yeah.
1: I mean, and sometimes if I'm really honest with myself, that sort of dread feeling is just fear. I do want to do the Mm. thing. It is on the right path, but I'm really afraid that it's not going to work out or that I'm going to do a bad job or like a lot of times it winds up coming down to fear for me.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good thing to be able to find that difference between what's bad and what's, good in a bad way yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. what's good but it makes you feel bad (laughs) um and finding those lines, I think it's really just trial and error isn't it to um to get to know the subtleties and those differences
1: yeah which you know again there's no roadmap for right it's just I I I feel like Mm. for me it's just continuous honesty with myself right just being willing to be honest with myself over and over again yeah yeah Absolutely. So this might be sort of a pivot, but I I feel like it is under the umbrella of these shoulds and stuff that we're talking about. I have been following your work and enjoying your podcast and your writing for quite a while, and I... I remember when I first found you, you were very positioned in like the slow and intentional living space. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that that's accurate, right? Like last year or a couple years yeah, ago? Yeah. And that not to say that that's changed dramatically. I feel like the heart of your work is definitely still the same, but there has been, to me at least, like paying attention, sort of a noticeable pivot. And I'm interested if you can talk about the why behind that.
0: That's really interesting because um, (laughs) I wouldn't have said that was massively intentional, but it does make sense that I have, I've fallen away from, it's more a falling away than an intentional pivot because um, I felt like quite a bit of a fraud around it because I didn't feel that I was living a particularly, inverted commas, slow life because I was (laughs) in the middle of being busy burning myself out, working, doing all the things. And I think i it's something that I really struggle to talk about because I don't know what to say about it. And where I've got to with that is that because in my head, I feel like I need to be adding to that conversation, that there has to be a takeaway, a thing for people to do, whatever. Whereas actually the whole point of slow living is to strip, the, to do less, to strip the stuff away and that actually all I could think to say was like yeah don't don't worry about stuff <laughs> or, or just surrender to it, just feel your way through it and that was kind of all I had to say on it really so that's more the reason why and I think as well I've also been over the last year trying to be a lot more with my content to only create stuff that I would want to read And the slow living stuff just wasn't stuff that I wanted to read because I was trying to write it for the sake of it rather than I had anything to add to the conversation. Yeah, that definitely
1: makes sense. Do you feel like there were any particular should-dos in the intentional living space that had become like sort of feeling like a cage for you?
0: Mm, Yeah, I guess because, because it is so intangible... I suppose that I'd felt like I needed to talk about, um, like the habits and routines. That was actually a question somebody asked me, like, what's your slow routine? I was like, uh, get up really late in the morning and then just kind of do what I want. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I didn't really have anything to say because that was my version of the slow living was taking it away like not being held to something that didn't feel right to me and just kind of feeling my way through it I didn't have anything tangible to say and on the other hand I think you get a lot of very material stuff like slow fashion and homeware and all that kind of consumer goods element of it which like I don't really buy stuff because it's just not really a priority for me. Um I like I buy new clothes every season, but I'm not I just buy a couple of things I like. Um and so I didn't really I couldn't also find a way for myself to fit into that space. So yeah, I guess it was those kind of things. It was like I'm I'm trying to think of stuff to say. And I think this is a problem the internet has in general of people just trying to add noise and say stuff so people pay attention to them. And that's never where I want to come from. I always want to say stuff because I've got something to say that might be interesting and valuable to someone rather than I want people to pay attention to me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think you're also speaking to, and I don't know if this is a product of the internet or social media or not, but this idea of kind of having to create content around every element of your life. Like it's mm-hmm. like this idea of, you know, slow living or being more intentional with your time or any of these things seem to be like intrinsic values for you. And they might be like baked into your bigger vision, but it doesn't necessarily need to mean that you then create a brand around it or, you know, I, I, I what am I trying to say? I think that there's this pressure oftentimes to like, monetize or commodify every part of what makes us us, right? Well, like, if you're really into gardening, then like, absolutely, you need to have a gardening blog, right? Or you need to teach people how to do this thing. And like, maybe, but also maybe it's just like something that you do. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I don't think that was conscious for me because... Like, I, I don't really have those things um, that feel too precious. But I, it, that, And I think what you said where it's a baked-in thing, that what I was really struggling with was, like, what's actually the story here? Because it's just, like, I'm not buying stuff. I, um, I'm being very intuitive in the way that I kind of live and work. I go for walks with my dog, and that's, like, the sum of my life. Like, there's not... I was finding it hard to unravel the story of what was important in that because it's less ab- less about adding to people's lives and giving them other things to do. And it was much more about let's just not do those things instead and just focus on these five that you want to do rather than having 50 things that you've got in your life. Just do the five that you want mm-hmm. um, and that's okay. You don't have to keep adding more and more and more and more.
1: Yeah. So the next thing that I want to ask you, I don't really know if it comes into play around like this time of your life or the last year, but when we were emailing a few weeks ago, you said something that really struck me that I've been thinking about. You said, what happens when you've built a life that's not yours? And I Mm. felt like that was such an honest question and made me want to ask you, like, tell me more, tell me everything. Like sort of what was behind (laughs) that for you? Like that idea of what happens, like what does happen when you've built a life that's not yours?
0: Yeah. I think that um, and we've kind of picked on on a few things with it that I, well, it's mainly really this year. Um, well, actually, let's, let's go back a little bit more. So by the end of last year, so 2018 was my first full year working for myself. And I earned twice as much as my old salary and my old job and was kind of like doing all the things, doing all the work. I had loads and loads of client work. I'd done like three workshops in three cities in three weeks and I'd done just been doing I think is the key word and very much entered a period of burnout that took really most of this year um didn't realize it for a long time I was just like I feel really awful all the time and then didn't really put it down to anything but very much towards the end of that last year and coming into this year I knew that something wasn't right that the balance was off and i got you know set to work finding that thing that was wrong and was trying to be really really proactive with designing the life and the day-to-day that I really really wanted and um, as I was saying earlier like looking to other people and being like yeah that looks good I'm gonna take that package and I'm just gonna apply it here Um, and so for me this year has kind of been characterized by a lot of false starts of putting on other people's clothes and then trying to walk around in their life and you know their family and friends don't know me and their clothes don't fit because I'm not them um and that's kind of where i found myself this summer was um i've got this business which is kind of making me ill and i'm not getting the satisfaction from it that i want to and all the time, I'm also beating myself up for not having the perfect life of these other people that I'm surrounding myself with. And I really just got to the point where I was like, okay, none of this is for me. This was all, I can't tr- keep trying to outsource this. But what do I do when? when you can't outsource it and your inside is not giving you any answers um and I think I'm still kind of unraveling that a little bit the the kind of future vision that I spoke about was has really helped in a very short-term way in that I can think okay well that's six months like that's just thinking those terms but I'm still uh, a little bit on the fence of longer than that where is where's it all going
1: yeah, I'd love for you, if you feel comfortable going into detail about some of those false starts, you said this year has been a lot of false starts of essentially like trying on other people's clothes, which is such a, like a great analogy for what that is. What are some things that you tried that weren't for you?
0: So, so there's the, the trying on of the hobbies, <laughs> which we also spoke about. Um, I think, you know what, there was one stage where I was kind of considering thinking about how much better my life would be if I like lived in a flat in the middle of a city um I did consider that at one point because literally I was in a city on like a weekend break and then I was like you know what maybe I should live here maybe this is what my life should be and also I think there was a lot of it which was it was much more of a mindset thing than a very physical thing so you'd look at other people and be like I should think like them because they they don't have worries (laughs) um or they uh they've got good boundaries or they're 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 really good at prioritizing things I should uh, like have a brain like them or I should have an approach to life like them and why can't I and of course the reason for that is because um I'm not them and I don't have a brain like them I've got a brain like me and so I think acceptance has been quite a big thing of yeah I'm going to overthink some stuff but I can either choose to listen to it or not. And that's, I'm really taking it back to slow living a bit. Is kind of the crux of the slow living for me is the choice of this is something that is kind of ingrained in me and is a habit or, or whatever it is, but it's the choice to let that overrule or to ignore it, move through it, learn to live with it, and focus on what you what makes you happy in that moment, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I think it's really easy to project onto other people, right? Like, well, if only I, my brain worked this way, or if only this Mm -hmm. thing, and like maybe there's truth in some of that. Like I think sometimes the comparison or jealousy can be helpful, just knowledge of, oh, actually that does mean I'm craving, you know, something similar in this regard. I think there can be information there, but it sort of goes back to what we were talking about before. Like we never know the whole story of anything. And yeah, I think it is very easy to sort of, especially from a place of uncertainty or burnout or just like fear feeling sort of awful. Really, it's a very human thing to want to reach for something that's going to make you feel better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want we want the kind of the crutch or we want the the jumper you can put on or the five-step formula because that takes away the work, right? That's so much easier. <laughs> I'll just follow this and everything will be fine. And I think the self-awareness around that is really key because you can get to a point where you've spent six months knowing something's not working but then not actually going to the reason why and just saying, oh, this model's not working, so I'll try the next one and then I'll try the next one and I'll try the next one rather than after the first one or two hasn't quite worked, then taking the step back and be like, okay, well, why isn't this working? Because there's one common denominator there and that's me. So there's something that's not not a failing but something within me isn't gelling with this. So what do I how can I know myself better to know what's going to fit and get me to the place that I want to be, which is ultimately like fulfillment and happiness and joy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that sort of questioning that you were just laying out of, you know, this doesn't work and let's get more specific about what does work for me. It seems, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, that that's a lot of the work that you do with your clients around their business, right?
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, kind of, fostering that subjectivity around like nothing's wrong here it's just and there's no right or wrong way and that's what really annoys me (laughs) about everything but just that oh I have to do this right well what is right and for me right is the way that works and so we've got to find that, the way that works, and the way that's going to make us it, it's going to happen, rather than this prescriptive, this is the way that such and such says to do it, so I'm going to do it this way, come hell or high water. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would love to dig into the specifics a bit of... Let's say whether it's in a one-to-one capacity or a one-to-many capacity with the work that you do, that like you that you most love to do, what are some of the common challenges that you feel like people come to you with? What are some struggles that you've heard over and over?
0: Oh, um, I think a lot, the, the kind of key one, the base one is that people come with a business that's kind of formed in some capacity, um, but it's not kind of getting people it's not moving forward there's no momentum they don't really know what they're doing um and they just feel very lost and there's always two reasons for that and one is that they don't have a core purpose and the second is that they don't know who they're doing it for so that's always the first thing that i do with anybody because they're the two kind of real foundation stones is that you have to have a a purpose at the core of what you do that's not just making money it's A reason, an impact you want to have on the world and that everything that you do and the way that you do it flows from there and secondly you need to know the person you want to have that impact on because you can't have it on everybody successfully so you have to be really really in tune with specifically that person that you want to help and do nothing that they don't need um or that's not going to resonate with them interesting um I have a lot of things to say about the, the purpose thing, but so
1: I, I guess first, will you share sort of those, so you mentioned those two cornerstones, right? Like what the purpose behind the work is and who you're doing it for. Can you share yeah. what yours are for your business right now?
0: Yeah. So my purpose is that I, I believe that everybody should live in a way that feels like freedom to them. So I do that by helping people who's, who've discovered that their version of freedom means running their own business and doing it in a way that feels good and not just striving endlessly for striving's sake. So that's very much where my focus is. And then the people who I do that for is people with small businesses, you know, whether that's on the product side or on the service side who are, well, I actually have people who are either kind of ready to take the leap and they're ready to go and actually put it out into the world people who are a few finding their feet in it and then people who are also wondering what's next and they've developed it and now they're like now where do I take this thing that I've made so I have those three kind of core they're all the same sort of person they've all got the same values but they're at three different stages
1: yeah, obviously I'm not surprised that you had a very clear answer to that question, given, <laughs> given that this is the work that you do. The, the reason I, I mean, yeah, I guess I just wanted to hear like, what does it sound like when you are very clear on that? That's great and like very <laughs> inspirational for sure. I think I struggle a lot with the idea of purpose. And I, I, again, I, I know that I'm not alone in anything that I feel or struggle with. So I'm sure there's somebody listening that feels similarly, whether it's, you know, purpose for work or, you know, life purpose, because sometimes I feel Overwhelmed at the task of identifying like one purpose, it feels like very mm-hmm. overwhelming for me. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I have come to in my work specifically um, that I think this idea came, you know, years ago from. Um, my friend Jenny Blake, this idea of instead of coming up with like an overarching purpose, having what she thought of as a project purpose, like a purpose for each individual project, right? Like mm-hmm. this year, I started doing retreats. So I'm like, okay, the purpose of these retreats is X, right? The purpose of the podcast is Y. And sure, they sort of hit at the same thing, but I don't know if that was like a way for me to back into it, being able to wrap my mind around the, pro- mm-hmm. like, the, what a purpose is for a specific project. But it's interesting to hear for you to be like very clear on what the purpose is of the business overall
0: yeah I I totally get that and I get that a lot as well that I think it's partly the the word purpose feels like it should be something very uh I don't know very huge and special and impactful and the thing that I always say is that first of all your purpose doesn't have to be like at the saving the world end of the spectrum um And that's where having the the who you're doing it for comes in. Because if you help uh, a mum with a newborn baby sleep at night, like that's some of the most huge impact you can have on that individual's life. And then the the other thing is that your purpose doesn't have to be the most original thing in the world. Because I think that's something that people also get stuck on. And it's a very, if you actually kind of like, listen back to what I said, the first line of mine is that people should, should. Um, I want people to be able to live life in a way that feels free to them. Like that's pretty broad. (laughs) Um, It's also not hugely original. And that's the thing, the very core of your purpose is something that's quite animalistic because it comes from a very intuitive place. It's the way you then apply that that becomes the nuanced part of your work. So while my purpose as a human and what I deeply believe in as the meaning of life is about freedom I've then my how is in the business sphere because you have to kind of chop it down somewhere right um so I think it's taking the pressure off it a little bit and with a lot of things the way I think about it is you have to know what you're going to use it for in order to make it the right thing for you. So to actually, rather than go, oh my God, what's my life's purpose? It's like, I need a foundation stone that everything is going to be connected to in my business. It's the anchor. It's the thing I can always reflect back to. Like that actually then becomes an easier thing to start to think about than purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so to start thinking about it like that in ter- in terms of how you need it to be used for you.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. What's coming up for me is, you know, sort of the values of honesty and like actual connection um, is clearly, you know, evident in everything that I do. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, the same way that freedom is for you. So that, you know, I definitely hear that. I mean, I also, I guess, want to touch on with this idea of getting on like the path to, let's say, purposeful and fulfilling work, right, which sounds so awesome, right? And mm-hmm. like I don't know if there's anyone who would say no, like I don't want that, but I I also think sort of circling back to what you were saying earlier about not everyone wants to quit their job, right? Like keeping that in mm-hmm. mind, like I have people in my life who like the purpose of their job is for money. It's not something that they super super love. It's not something that they hate and feel out of integrity with, but a lot of their sort of purpose and joy, maybe this is like The person you were saying with the hobby right like comes Mm -hmm. from other things and that's totally fine and I feel like there's like a conversation to be had there of you know like maybe the purpose doesn't totally have to come from work I don't like how do you think about that
0: yeah no I agree and I think whether you are in a job or whether you are self-employed the question across both of them is what's it for um what's the what's your paycheck for or what's the reason that you're Doing your however what you're doing with your self employment, what what's that for? Because we can get very into just the circle of the work is the work is the work is the work. But that yeah, well, where's that going? Especially especially with self employment because you know you go and get a job then if you're just going to work and work and work yourself into the ground for and there's no reason to do it. Like what's the point? And so I think that's then the thing that kind of goes together is to really keep your mind on what is it for what kind of life do I want outside of this why am I going to this job every day to get the paycheck what do I want that paycheck to pay for because yeah it's not it's not just the money it's like what's the money for and that's actually quite a good way to get into purpose a little bit is well if you say I'm doing this for the money well what do you want the money to do Mm
1: -hmm. it's such a good question that idea of what's it for I feel like is such a good question
0: yeah, because it, it feels, I'm, I'm conscious that it feels like a really big question. But I think when you think about it in terms of literally the money that you get into your account, what are you, what do you do with that? Or what do you want to do with that? Um, and where that discrepancy is, is where the work can then happen between, well, I'm spending it on this gym membership that I never go to, but what I actually want to do is... Go hiking in the mountains once a month well then there's there's the change that needs to be made
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you've provided a lot of really great reflection questions. And I think that that one is definitely like on the list, top of the (laughs) list, this idea of like, what's it for, right? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it is very easy to get sort of stuck in the autopilot place of like, well, it's for money or because I have to work or because, and like those things might be true, but even just to step back and be like, right, but what's it for, right? And Mm -hmm. to be able to connect with that a little bit more strongly, even like, what's it for, for now? Sometimes when I feel really overwhelmed with these like bigger questions, because I feel like I'm, I need to solve, you know, when you were saying like reflecting on your 50 year old self, right? Like, oh my God, I need to solve these questions for (laughs) like, you know, 20 years from now, Nicole. I'm like, no, actually I don't like, what's it for, for now? And sort of Mm -hmm. that's really helpful for me with everything is adding the like, for now tag at the end of something, because I don't know, like I don't have a five-year plan, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, but I can yeah. be pretty clear about how I want to feel like five months from now or five days from now, you know, that's being able to acknowledge mm. that the purpose or the what's it for can evolve and it's not like if I, I have to pick the thing now that's going to be the thing from now until I die.
0: Yeah, that's so important and I always say that with people doing purpose work is like this isn't like... this isn't a life sentence (laughs) it should be a really we put all these kind of blockades around it and it should be a really positive thing to kind of work out with yourself and it's not there's no pressure on it at all you you, just as you're not going to be the same person when you're 80 as you are now doesn't mean that your purpose and what you want is going to be the same it's it should evolve it will evolve it can't help but evolve um but i think that the, what the what's it for question also does is it helps you to see where other things aren't working towards that as well. So if the paycheck is for hiking in the mountains once a month, but you have to, you know, you don't get holiday time from your job or your job just has really inflexible hours. that means you wouldn't be able to do that. Then there's another problem here. Um, so it can kind of see if you know where everything's going to flow to then it can flow. But if you've got all these kind of big rocks in the way that you don't even know are there, you you can't kind of navigate it. You can't even begin to navigate it.
1: Yeah. I also think sort of the what's it for can, and I don't know that I've used that specific question, but sort of reflection that I've done around this sort of topic and area has really helped me to be more honest with myself about when I'm trying to do something just to be impressive. Which, (laughs) like, is not, I mean, I think that's very human and also, like, doesn't make me feel the best, right? If, like, the real answer is sort of the question that I ask myself that I've I've shared lots of times before with other folks, but is, you know, if you couldn't put this on social media, would you still do it, right? And, like, Mm. I think that that sometimes for me is, like, an interesting, like, am I just doing this? Because I want to be seen a certain way, and that's not always a terrible thing, but that sort of goes under I think that umbrella of the what's it for? And if the answer is Mm. like to be shiny and impressive, like it's probably not like the best if there's no other reason to do it, it's probably not the best choice for me.
0: Yeah. I've had that recently as well where I I thought like I like I should be doing a lot of kind of public speaking and I should be going to events and conferences and like, whenever you see somebody on Instagram who's speaking somewhere, I'd be like, damn it, that should be me. Um, but then I realised that I actually want to be asked more than I actually want to do it, so I just want, I want that, um, recognition that, you know, you, you're good enough to come and, come and speak at this conference, (laughs) rather than I actually want to do, like, leave my house, take the inevitable six-hour journey to get to wherever it is, and, stay somewhere and then feel the nerves for 2 weeks like I actually I don't want to do that and if what's it for is to feel peace and spaciousness in my life then and freedom in my life, then that's not actually contributing to that. And I want it just because I want to be
1: asked. Yeah. I mean, which is a totally honest thing to say, right? Like this makes my ego feel good, <laughs> yeah. right? Like ask me, tell me yeah. I'm special. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the public speaking is a really clear example. Are there any others um, that you can think of, whether in your personal life or in your business that once you were like really reflecting on what's it for, does this fit with the vision that you were like, oh my gosh, like, no, I shouldn't be
0: doing that. Um, I think the big one was the the amount of one-to-one client work I was doing which has kind of always been at the back of my mind is that like I once left a job because they wanted me to speak on the phone so it kind of doesn't make sense that all I do is speak on the phone to people I'm just like one of those people who hate speaking on the phone get like really anxious about it um and so it makes sense not to have an entire income revolve around the necessity to speak on the phone um and I think there was a should do around that because it's the obvious thing to do I think as well a lot with again this is going to be another episode in itself but a lot around friendships and what they should look like and what they I should get from them other people should get from them I think that's a thing that I've had to kind of be really realistic with the scenario in that like my closest friends we literally live at four corners of the country so we're not going to get to see each other every weekend for cocktails but also I am somebody who is very content in my own company I'm much better meeting up a couple of times a year rather than having somebody constantly on my doorstep so actually maybe the way things are is what works for me better than this kind of should do vision of friendship where you're all in each other's pockets maybe that's actually not what's going to work for me Mm -hmm. oh
1: yeah I think it is really easy to get swept up in sort of whatever the of the moment kind of cultural narrative is around it right Mm, like this is what your marriage should look like this is what like your friendship should look like and you know to think like oh well what's wrong with me that my friendships don't look that way and it really sort of that place I think is such a rich ground for like you said stepping back and being like do I even want that or do I just want to be asked right like or whatever Mm, the version of that is like do I actually want friendships where we have like that much interaction or that much high touch time and for you maybe the answer is no like or like do I want to be able to like, perform friendship like that on the internet, right? Like, there's just, like, there's something in Mm. that that I think is interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, actually, a way into that is to think about the logistics. Like I was kind of saying with the public speaking, like – if you have to get up in the morning, you have to know that you've got this thing to do later on that day, and you can't really get into anything else. And you know you have to get on a train later, and you'll probably have to stay at someone's house or even get a last train home. Or, or like when you start to think about those things, if it's still not worth it, or if it's not worth it after that, then that's probably a good sign. And or actually, if you think, yep, yeah, although those logistical nightmares. I still really want to have that vision of friendship then then that's also going to give you a bit of a steer because we get so unrealistic about stuff we see you know like you say you don't see the whole story we see like I don't know on friends they're there in the apartment we're like yeah that's so nice but we don't see like Phoebe on the bus for three hours trying to get there right yeah yeah no I I think this is
1: such a good question this idea of like do you want to do the work, like the actual work yeah. that the thing requires? Like it's very easy to latch onto like the sexy fantasy of the thing, right? Or, you know, for me, I think a lot about sort of the gap between the fantasy of the thing and the reality of the thing and a lot of our like, disappointment, I think, lives in that space of this isn't what I thought it was going to be like, right? Whether that – whatever it is, it could be any of the things that we're talking about. And I really like the thought exercise that you shared of pulling it into the logistics. And I just had a conversation with a friend the other day who is potentially interested in um, organizing or, you know, doing live events or, you know, something that's not online, like taking her work offline. And um, Mm -hmm. one of the things she said is that she's like, but, oh, my God, I don't want to plan any of the logistics, right, of it, and (laughs) which is completely – Fair, right? So either you hire someone mm-hmm. to do it or you don't do those yeah. types of events. And one of the things I realized in that conversation with her is you know, in the retreats that I'm hosting, I love the logistics. Like I will make the yeah. spreadsheet. Like I will figure out the meals we're going to have. Like I, I really do love. All of the things that go into putting on a retreat, not just leading the retreat when I'm there. And I'm like, oh, right, that's what makes this a good fit because I love doing the work and not everyone. And I don't feel that way about everything, right? There's plenty of things where I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. gosh, I don't want to do the steps that that requires. But I think that there's something really powerful in like if you're going to have to be doing the work of whatever the thing is. Like I think about this. I used to run a lot and I think about this sort of the analogy of like training for a marathon, right? Like it's like very sexy to think about crossing the finish line, but like do you actually more often than not on more days than not like want to do the training? And for me, the answer was absolutely yes. I liked the training even more than I liked the racing. But if you don't like the work, it's probably not worth it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think the quote that they use a lot is like, I can't remember exactly, but it's how you spend your days is how you spend your life. Yeah, the Annie Dillard quote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and that's true in terms of, like, the dreamy stuff, but also the non-dreamy stuff. Like, is this how you want to spend your life? Is this is how you have to spend your days? I think that you, turning that on its head... Um, is another way of thinking of it. Because, yeah, we can be like, oh, I want my life to look like this and so I need to do more of it in my days. But actually, it's like how you want to spend your day (laughs) is a good place to start. Yeah, I
1: I think so too. And I think, you know, for me, and just because I find that specific examples are helpful, like when I was starting this podcast, like I knew 100% for sure that I was not interested in like sort of the production editing side of it, right? So it was (laughs) worth it for me to find and hire, like, hi, Adam, Mm -hmm. a great sound engineer, right? To be like, here's these files, do this. Right. Like I 100% mm-hmm. do not want to do that. What I want to do is like spend my days like talking to awesome people like you. Right. Like doing this mm-hmm. and being able to be clear on, you know, and that goes back to some of the sheds that you were talking about before. Like some stuff does have to happen. Right. Like someone has to do that editing work. So it either needs to be me or I need to be making enough money to be able to pay someone else to do it. That's the reality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. And yeah, totally same on the podcast editing. I was like, I have neither the time nor the inclination to learn how to do this. Um, And yeah, and so I think it's important to know that you can, there are ways around it and to explore around that. And that's where that whole thing of, you know, where where are you finding joy and where are your strength best placed? Because I think, especially in business, but also generally, we just think we have to be amazing at everything. Um, And that's just not realistic. Um, I would say to to clients that if you were in a larger business, this would be 12 people's jobs. So you shouldn't be able to do each of those 12 people's jobs just as good as they could. But we have to find a way that's going to make it work for you and the person that you are. So like podcasting it works because you can outsource the things that aren't your strengths. Mm-hmm. Um and like the lady with the the um live events, it can work because she can really hone in on being the best ever host and let somebody who's the best ever at logistics do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's such a good reminder. I mean, especially for folks that are taking on, you know, whether it's self-employment or starting any kind of project from scratch, that the number of hats that you might need to wear at the beginning, that that isn't always the case forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And sort of holding that vision of eventually I would like to be able to pass off this part of the project, right? Like you can't be excellent at every aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also at the start, you don't need to do all the hats. Like I, I'm conscious that, you. Were, so what, I am like three years in, I've now got podcast, blog, Instagram, Pinterest, email list. When I started out I had a blog and Instagram and then I had an email list and everything else was added over time and we think like oh I have to have all the things before I can even start. It's like no just start with the areas where you can identify you're going to show up as the best version of yourself. So maybe if you're a really good talker then a podcast is going to be your priority whereas actually if your writing is where you can Where you really chime, then a blog. If it's your photography is what's going to connect you to people, then your Instagram is going to be more important. And just start with the minimum thing that you are going to be the very best at, or not the very best at in terms of the whole world, but in terms of what is where can you shine your light the best? And then the other things can come. It doesn't have to be all be at once.
1: Yeah, one of the helpful things that I'm taking from this conversation, everything you're sharing, is this idea of the value in questioning assumptions. Like, I, I know you didn't use yes. that language, but I I do think there's a lot of you know, like you said, okay, I can't start a business unless you know I'm doing these twelve things. Well, is that actually true? And I think this could mm-hmm. apply, you know, for someone who is not self employed, right? Like, well, I have to do all of this stuff, you know, at my job. Do you? Actually, or is that an assumption? Are yeah. the, where is the wiggle room? Right, like I think that we can get really sort of blinders on of well, this is just the way that it is because this is the way that it's always been and this is the way that it has to be. And maybe that is you know unequivocally mm-hmm. true, but maybe it's not. And being able to step back and say like, what's real versus what's a story that I am telling right like is there a conversation to be had with my boss is there a you know like just being willing to like look for the wiggle room and see where you're telling yourself that something is non-negotiable when actually most things are negotiable
0: Mm. I think exercise is the big one here isn't it that like you have to train for a marathon or you're not going to do anything or you have to have Uh, three hours a week or you're not going to do anything Um, whereas actually 15 minutes a week is going to be better than nothing so I think a a really nice way to get into this is to aim to do the very minimum that you can and then and just as a kind of experiment because we are all conditioned that we must always be striving to do our best and to do the most we possibly can Whereas actually if we just turn that around we're like right what's the least I can do that's still going to be viable that's still going to make this worthwhile like what does that actually look like and is that still better than doing nothing and the answer is almost always yes mm-hmm. yeah that's that has been um
1: I, I said a while back that i've been sort of reevaluating social media and instagram in particular and one of the questions that i am using is exactly what you just said like what's sort of the minimum viable output here right like what am i looking yeah. to get from this and like what's the whether it's time spent or amount posting or amount of good conversations in dms right like what what is the input level and the focus and the attention and the energy that feels really fulfilling and good and is meeting my aims and then sort of what's the the drop-off point or the point of diminishing returns where, you know, like I I think that we sometimes, especially those of us who are raised to be very achievement and goal oriented, you know, in school and in our families, it's really easy to like think that we have to be giving 100%. There's like a lot of like a moral value judgment Mm -hmm. there when actually Mm -hmm. like in some situations 80% is plenty, in some situations 40% is plenty, like not everything deserves or needs the 100% effort
0: yeah absolutely or even like a hundred percent for like one percent of the time right like that kind of thing and I think that's been a really big thing for me as I've been reevaluating how I work and like I said just doing the four-hour days like that was a huge rich ret- and even like I go and visit my parents they're like are you sure you shouldn't be working <laughs> I'm like please I'm, I'm fine I've got this sass I know what I'm doing um that yeah we can I will give a as much as I can like whether that's 100% it's not always 100% let's be real for that very small period of time but then that's all it's getting because I have to put some of the rest of that percent into into other areas and that is that's kind of like another big should do is where we're putting our time and having the choice of where we're putting our time and energy and choosing to put it in a way that's not what people where people would expect us to put it mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a good place to start to wrap up um is there unless there's something that you're like oh no we didn't get to this yet or are you like burning to talk about anything else <laughs> I
0: don't think so I'm like reeling with all the should do's i'm like how many should do's have i spoken about
1: <laughs> yeah no we, we covered a lot of great things um, yeah. the way that we end these episodes are with a series of rapid fire ish questions um that are put forth by my lovely patreon community um you know lots of different guests will answer the same questions over a period of time if mm-hmm. you are down to answer eight random questions i'm down okay what would your perfect sunday look like
0: oh so um it would be waking up very late <laughs> um having some kind of brunch um maybe involving an egg i'm not i it doesn't have to be egg-based brunch um and then i'd have a mid-afternoon bath because that is like the height of indulgence and i read a magazine or whatever and then i would just wear pajamas for the rest of the day <laughs> There's so much in that I also am a bath person.
1: I very much love taking <laughs> baths. And the thing that I miss the most now living in a van is not having access ready access. Oh, I literally
0: yeah. couldn't do it. I have like a three-hour bath every day.
1: <laughs> that, yeah. I yes, this let's let's at some point have like the bath podcast, right? Like that could be a whole other <laughs> conversation. I also just want to say, not that all of these rapid-fire questions need commentary, but I really like that you said that your perfect Sunday would involve waking up late. I think there's sort of this weird sort of culture or cult around like, you know, the day is better when you get up early and that works for some folks and not for others. And so I love when people are willing to be like, nope, I would much rather wake up late.
0: I know this is meant to be rapid fire, but literally, I have this memory of waking up at 7.30am to go to my old job and thinking, I can't do this every day. So waking up late was like one of the motivators for working for myself. It's that important to me. Totally. But I mean, and but I think
1: owning that, right? Like being able to say like, maybe this, you know, shouldn't be important to me i think we can get into that space too of like what's wrong with me that i can't just get up earlier right or any of those types (laughs) of things it's like well nothing if you can set up your life so that that's not the you know you don't have to do that (laughs) oh my gosh okay um what's one thing that you think people might be surprised to learn
0: about you i'm like really into sports Um, i'm very surprised to learn that yes okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah both like uh UK sports and also I'm like heavily following the baseball postseason right now more because I just find the the psychology element of it really interesting the business element of it really interesting the interpersonal element and also like just to see people at the very height of what they've been working towards for their whole life and see how they deal with that. I find, I find that cauldron of it very interesting. Oh yeah,
1: me too. Okay. There's so much other stuff I want to talk to you about. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Um, who's one person who you recently have loved following their work, whether it's social media or a podcast or who's someone that you think that we should check out?
0: Uh, I've really got into Kate Northrup's work recently. She's released her book Do Less, which has a subtitle about busy moms, but that's she says that's a marketing thing. But she is really about connecting work with natural cycles and how we only go between like development and output and we don't allow ourselves to kind of go fallow and have seasons of not doing work and having she calls it the fertile void and that was something that I found really interesting and to start thinking about how the way that I work and run my business and how that syncs up with more natural cycles. Sure I mean unchecked
1: late stage capitalism doesn't want you to have fallow. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, so since you are a fellow podcast host, um, next question I have to ask, what's the one show that you feel like you drop everything to listen to when a new episode comes out? If there is one.
0: Uh, it's being boss. Mm, I love that Um, show too. I, yeah, I've listened when I was working right at the, I had a three month notice period at my old job and I was like doing data entry on a website basically. And I listened to like hours upon hours of being boss during that time. So it's like, I feel, ve- I think I've listened to like every episode so many times and I just, yeah, i it feels like more than a podcast in a lot of ways. It is like a, a real kind of defining voice that's always been throughout the, the back of my business. Mm. Yeah. I
1: love that. I was a guest on that show some years ago and yeah, I really like mm. the work that they're doing. What's one habit change that you've made in your life? Um, let's say in the last couple of years, that's had a big impact
0: um habit habit's a funny word um because i guess it's more of a mindset but i had a habit of just discounting things be like oh that's not for me i can't Mm, do that yeah and absolutely no reason for it um so to start to challenge that and be like okay well why not or well maybe this actually isn't about you or maybe this isn't your fault or maybe you can do that um that's a habit that i've started to form is to to question that voice and to do the opposite of it quite a lot yeah
1: I've been thinking about that you know f- for years about the value of not being so caged in with your identity like I'm not someone who you know x like yeah. maybe that's true for certain things right like yes it's good to have values and like know where the things that are absolutely out of integrity mm-hmm. for you are right I'm not really talking about that but I do that too with activities of well that's not for me because well but I've never tried it actually right like maybe it is yeah. for me and just sort of like relaxing on that a little bit has been helpful yeah What's something that you know helps you when you're feeling particularly stressed or overwhelmed?
0: Ooh, um, stopping. Uh, just rather that I've, you know, spent enough hours staring at a blank computer screen like hating myself um, to know that that actually doesn't do any good. So whatever is kind of making me feel stressed and overwhelmed is removing myself from it, whether that is for a few minutes by you know if I get a negative comment like dancing in my room to Lizzo for 10 minutes because can be quite good to shake that off or if it's something that I'm writing and I just can't get into it or it's not working then taking a couple of days away from it is mostly what I do I give things air and space um because then you can often come back to it with a more realistic mindset around it too. Mm-hmm.
1: Not like holding yourself in the fire for so long.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next question is
1: about books, which two or three books, any type of book, any genre, would you say have either had the biggest impact on you or that you find yourself recommending or rereading most often?
0: I I, I was dreading this question <laughs> because I um, have, a, it's not like a lot of books that I kind of, have that relationship with. Um, a lo- I think a lot of that is because in my space, you get, I think a lot of books are kind of out of date before they're even finished. And because they have to reach a really broad audience, they're like a little bit too broad. And I'd actually rather listen to them talk about their thoughts around a subject. Um, but what I always, always, always recommend is Simon Sinek's TED Talk which is how great leaders inspire action, which is based on his book, Start With Why. And that's what I recommend to like literally make every single person who works with me watch that video. Um, Because that's a really good introduction to how purpose works um, psychologically. Um, And so other than that, I'm also really as I said, enjoying Kate Northrup's book, which I'm listening to on Audible. Um, And also she has a podcast episode where she goes really into all the stuff that she's learned since she wrote the book, which is really interesting. Um, And other than that, just like Jane (laughs) Eyre. Jane Eyre I like read at school and that's like, it kind of always is the thing that comes back into my head is like, either quoting it or thinking about the situation from it. Um, Similarly, the works of Shakespeare, I'm always like, oh, that's like in that play, Uh, because I did English and had to read, well, had enjoyed reading all the works of Shakespeare. So very often they kind of filter in with like a quote will pop into my head to describe a situation.
1: Yeah, I I love that. I love the range of those recommendations. Um, It's it's funny that you say that you're dreading (laughs) the question. I feel like you know, also not everyone is like a really avid reader and that's also totally fine. But I think like this question in general can sort of sometimes bring up for people what we were talking about before of the like needing to be impressive, like I have to have such a good recommendation or, you know, when actually it's, you know, like how many times have I read like Twilight? A lot of times. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like the (laughs) honest answer is always, you know, if the answer is it's actually not a book, but it's this TED talk, like that's just as valuable.
0: (laughs) Mm. I was like imagining all the listeners like,
1: boom. (laughs) Boom.
0: We will books. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's funny, that's like
1: one of the only questions that I ask everyone, and that's totally a selfish thing because I am a very avid reader, but I tend to get stuck in um like genre ruts. And so it's really been helpful for yeah. me to get like it's totally selfish. Like I just want recommendations from people of things, you know, like I'm familiar with Kate Northrop's work, but I haven't read that book, so I'm like, Okay, cool, now that's something to go see if they have at my library. And it just like mm. I because of the range of folks that I talk to, I find it's really nice to get recommendations. So um the <laughs> last question then if you could leave our community of the listeners with one call to action what would it be maybe a question to ask themselves or a small action
0: to take yeah so I think it would be to take a broad view of your life your work your business whatever you you have and to look at all the the elements of the things that you're doing and that take up your time and ask yourself "Am I?" What is my intention behind this? And am I doing it because it's something I think I should? Or is it something that I really know what I want to get out of it? And just to kind of go through the elements like that and just see what you find. Mm. um, And if that's something that you want to make a change on. Yeah, I love that. What's the best place for people to find you and say hi? Do you have a favorite
1: way to connect with new folks?
0: Um, You can come to instagram where i'm at simple and season i go through like waves of being really good at replying and waves of being really bad at replying um so otherwise if you don't get me there you can uh, send me an email which is kate k-a-y-t-e at Simple and, season.com, and my website is simpleandseason.com
1: and i will put links to all of that in the show notes for everyone um kate thank you so much thanks so much for having me And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. Speaking of the Real Talk Radio family, I want to give a huge shout out to Adam Day, my producer and sound engineer. Adam is the best. He created the music for the show and he makes everything work and flow and sound way better than I ever could. You can find him and his music and his sound editing work at adamday.net. And as I said way back at the top of the episode, this is a 100% listener supported show. The show is made possible by awesome people like Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Nicole. So we're going to do a hopefully fun little round of rapid fire questions if you're ready. I am so ready. (laughs) What are you totally obsessed with these days?
2: Oh, boy. Um, Not going to lie, I've mostly been obsessed with finding new music lately. Uh, I've been on kind of like a soft indie rock kick. I don't know if it's because it's fall here or just it's nice and soothing, but uh, I've been obsessed with finding new songs and like kind of finding songs that fit how I'm feeling.
1: Yeah, I love that. This is going to sound like maybe a little bit wild, but I only recently um, joined slash signed up for Spotify, like the, the latest late adopter ever of things. Um, <laughs> and it's really great. Surprise to no one. And so yeah, I am also on the hunt for new good music. Yeah. I love Spotify. It actually gave me
2: my new favorite song, which is called Love Myself by Olivia O'Brien. If you ever need like a good pump up song. That's, Always. That's
1: okay. I will look that up after we're done. Yes. Thank you for the tip. <laughs> um, what's something intentional that you're doing this year when it comes to your money?
2: Ooh, that's actually a really good question because I just actually earlier this week sat down and mapped out. I am intentionally trying to pay off all of my debt with the exception of my student loan and the timeshare that my husband and I bought um, by, I was hoping to have it planned, paid off by the end of December, but it'll, it's looking like it'll now be January, but I am very intentionally trying to get rid of all of my consumer debt except student loans because those are never going away.
1: (laughs) That's very relatable. Um, How did it feel to sit down and do that?
2: It felt really good to see how close I am. Um, just to kind of map it out and play around with, well, if I put this much extra money towards it, oh, I'll all be done this early. Or it's, um, one of the few things I've enjoyed getting out of my uh, managerial finance class I'm in right now. So was learning how to do this all in Excel
1: yeah no that's awesome i mean sometimes obviously like not everything can be planned and controlled but for stuff like mm-hmm. this i find that it feels so good to be like okay this is what i'm committed to and like to have things in a spreadsheet or something
2: yeah and it's nice to see the number getting smaller like if i'm a very visual person so if i see it getting smaller i'm much more likely to commit to it
1: yeah especially with something that can feel really intangible like debt that's just like floating out in the ether <laughs> mm-hmm yep my next plan
2: uh I am gearing myself up for this is to do the same thing with my student loans. It's not going to look pretty cause I'm finishing up my master's degree. So it, I'm a little scared to see what the numbers are, but it'll be good to have a plan to just knock it out.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. What's one thing that's going really well in your life lately? What are you kicking ass at right now? I have been kicking
2: ass at working out. Um, I, work with a personal trainer in exchange for doing social media for the gym I'm a member of and I don't know what it is lately but we've just kicked the workouts into high gear and I just did a 5k yesterday and I did one last weekend walking most of them I tried to run and still not a runner but I just feel like I'm just knocking it out of the park of getting back into fitness in a healthy way I've done it before where it was unhealthily done. Like I was using it to get rid of stress from a job that I was miserable in to the point where it was almost, almost dangerous to my health. I mean, I was still eating and stuff, but I lost a lot of weight in a very short amount of time and it was not in a good way. But lately it's just been a lot more about getting stronger and focusing more on how it makes me feel instead of worrying about how I looked to other people or anything like that.
1: Yeah, good for you. That sounds great. What's something small that makes you feel loved and cared for? This is a, ironically, this is happening right now.
2: My cat is sitting on my lap and she is very much my my husband's cat. She is a daddy's girl through and through. But right now she is curled up on my lap purring and just snuggling and just knowing that she actually, you know, admits the admits that I'm here that's a nice little thing
1: I know one of the nice things about cats is like since they are kind of stingy with their cuddling like when it does happen I'm just like oh my god this is the best I know and I never want
2: to move I'm like nope I can't I can't get up and do anything right now the cat is just bestowing her love on me I am I am here
1: yeah you're cat trapped
2: exactly mm-hmm.
1: yeah very com- completely relatable the kind of cat trap where like you have to text someone else in the house to like bring you anything that you need because you have the cat exactly yes that, I feel like that's a very cat person thing to be able to relate to like oh nope the cat's here doesn't matter how badly I have to pee doesn't matter about anything <laughs> yep nope nothing nothing else is happening it's all in the cat's time yep totally uh last question what's one thing that you wish more people were open and honest about
2: um There's actually two things. One is I wish people were more open and honest about like marriage and how relationships are before you get into one. Like I have been married now for five years and I didn't realize like everybody's like, Oh, marriage is hard, but nobody talks about like the details of Mm it. And like, we've, you know, worked through a lot and, been through a lot but I also just wish that people were more open like hey sometimes it's not all rainbows and sunshine and then I also wish people were more open about money like Mm -hmm. we have like everybody talks general about it like it's still like it's like that last taboo is talking about actual numbers when it comes to money yeah
1: yeah I think so too I mean I find myself so curious about like, like you said, specific details of things. Um, I think marriage and money are both things that are often talked about, like on the surface, um, Mm -hmm. right. Like you said, like relationships take work, right. Or, you know, kind of surface level cliche things about money. And yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm always really grateful when people are willing to get, you know, specific.
2: Yeah. And like I said, I'm a very visual person. So if you are very vague about money, like, oh yeah, this is, I don't know, just like, you don't give me an actual dollar amount. You're like, "Oh, it was sort of expensive." I'm like, "Well, what does that mean to you?" Because that means something completely different me that, to me than it does to you. And so it's just, I don't know. I guess I just really like details. Mm-hmm. I'm a very nosy person. I mean, same, really, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I feel gosh. Like this is why I like you so much. Is because we're both so similar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Because we're both, like, insufferably nosy. Yes, it's great. Um, so you're a member of our Patreon community, which means that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making this podcast possible, since you make a small and powerful reoccurring per-episode pledge that helps to fund the costs of producing the show and paying the guests. And I would love for you to share why you decided to support the show.
2: Sure. Um, well, as you know, Nicole, I've been a big fan of yours for years now. <laughs> I, I think I found your blog back in like 2010 um, and I've always just loved your work because you're so honest and open and it's always interesting um, and then a few years ago when you did the Patreon model you first came out with the the eight dollars per eight episode season and I was like okay that I that I can afford again trying to manage paying off my debt at the same time. And then when you switched to this model, it made it even easier for me to go up a tier and finally get to do the cool things like the Google Hangouts. And uh, I finally figured out how to actually log into Patreon and see all the stuff you've been posting. <laughs> um, and I just, I love the show. My I've noticed that like my interests have evolved. Like when you first, I think I did an outro with you a couple of years ago. And the first time I was all about the athlete episodes, like that was when I was in my scary workout phase and so all I cared about was the athlete episodes and now I'm looking into starting my own business and so I'm really like paying attention to the entrepreneur episodes and like taking notes and it's just I like I said I'm a very naturally nosy person and I feel like yours is one of the very few podcasts that really digs in there and gets to details, and it just makes me so happy.
1: Mm, That makes me feel so good. I'm glad that uh, you have found sort of that as your interests in stuff evolve that, you know, There's still good stuff in the show because I feel similarly, right? Like the show very much follows my interests, (laughs) you know, which are varied, but my interests, cool people that I meet, people that I'm introduced to. And it's like one of uh, the reasons that I chose to not do a topic specific show because I knew that there wouldn't be lasting, like staying power for me with that, right? That if it was all about running or all about something, you know, that I think it would have, I would have evolved past it. So it's really nice to have a podcast that's not topic specific.
2: Yeah. And it makes it more relatable. Like some episodes you may not relate to, but uh, for the most part, I have gotten something out of almost every episode mm-hmm. I've listened to. And it's just, I, I only listen to podcasts in the car. It's weird. I can only listen to podcasts and audiobooks when I'm in my car driving somewhere by myself. And so it just, it makes me feel like I'm learning things on my way to and from my job that isn't exactly the light of my life, but it pays the bills. And uh, it just, it puts me in a good mood to hear about other people. And maybe I'm not quite alone in Mm -hmm. my feeling of the daily blah.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I'm glad that I get to keep you company in the car. That's fun. I always like knowing (laughs) where people listen. Um, Do you want to share where you live in a social media link or something if folks want to say hi? Sure. Um,
2: I live in Oregon. I am just outside of the state capital, a very small town. Very few people have heard of it. Uh, and as for social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram. My I actually have four Instagram accounts because I'm wackadoodle like that. Um, so my private one is at Hydwella, and my other three. So I have one that's mostly for like fitness and athletes. It's um, Hydwella Moves. And then I have one that's all about gluten-free eating because I am celiac. And so I follow all my favorite celiac bloggers and nutrition tips at um, Hydwella Eats. And then I have one that is all about books because I am a diehard book nerd. And it is Hydwella Hits the Books. And then over on Twitter, I'm just Hydwella.
1: I did not know you had that many different accounts. Uh, I... So it actually kind of
2: came from listening to like you and Laura Jane Williams and several other people talk about curating your account. And so I realized that I was following so many accounts that I wasn't seeing half of the people I mm-hmm. wanted to see their posts. So I split it out. First, I did the the book one because my friend and I actually did a book blog for a little less than a year and then realized neither one of us were very good at keeping up on reviews. But, um, And then... I did the the moves one after the fitness one after my friend is uh, very into the natural movement and parkour and they had a challenge and your account had to be public. So I just made a new public account for that one. And then it kind of just evolved into I realized I was not seeing everything on one account. So I figured I'd just make the celiac account as well.
1: Yeah. Why not solve your own problem, right? (laughs) There's lots of different ways to do it. I love it. Um, And to everyone listening, if you love the podcast, if you want to help keep it going, if you want lots of bonus content plus other fun opportunities and extras, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $1 or more per episode. Your support is what allows the show to continue. And I'm super grateful for that. And I can't wait to get to know you better once you've joined our community. So until then, or until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can. And no matter what, we're in this together.